I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I'm your host, Laura Max Rose, being joined today by Randy Rubenstein, the fan- founder of Mastermind Parenting and a parenting coach. Welcome to the show, Randy. Thanks for having me. When I've told people I'm interviewing a parenting coach today, they're first of all like, wait, does that actually exist? And secondly, can I work with her? <laughs> How did you even find out about becoming a parenting coach? I think it found me. Um, it just, yeah, it kind of found me. I was teaching some parenting classes and it was funny that we have a friend in common. Mm-hmm. David. The, well, not even David, Lindsay. Oh, our, my friend Lindsay Nussbaum. Yes. Yeah. So Lindsay actually was there at the very beginning when I was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. My oldest child was in her class in fourth grade. I was a super active volunteer. He's my strong-willed kid. And I just kind of knew to stay close. Like he would come home from school. He was the kid that at school he was great from the time he was little. And he would come home from school and he would have what now I have found is called after school restraint collapse, where they hold it together all day and then they come home and just like collapse, fall apart. And so I knew there was something to figure out. And so I was a stay-at-home mom. He was my oldest kid. And I just volunteered a lot at school, like not chairing galas volunteered, like volunteered in the classroom, helped the teachers, would go as like an extra parent reader or whatever. So I was pretty close with most of his teachers. Lindsay was his teacher in fourth grade. She's one of our, I mean, we were blessed with a lot of, I call them like angel teachers over the years. And, um... And so at that time, I was actually getting involved at the school in some teacher training. Um, I had learned about a program called Conscious Discipline. And so I was learning about Conscious Discipline, and it was all about like why kids behave on the outside the way they feel on the inside, and really understanding like what happens in the brain and how it is connected to the hormones and chemicals that go through our bodies and and kids that, air quotes, misbehave, it's because there's something more to figure out. And so conscious discipline is really a classroom management tool that trains teachers to see the kids' behavior as something different than we have traditionally seen it as. So I was learning about this and I sort of became the resident expert at this small private school where Lindsay taught my son fourth grade. And so people kind of for years were like, do you work here? Or they what is your job? Yeah, like what is the deal? I was like, I don't really know. And then I translated that program to a, a, a program for parents because I was learning so much and I was using it with my own kids and learning so much about myself. So then I, was, I turned it into a parenting program. Well, years later, I ended up enrolling in like a year-long coaching program because I kept saying, I feel like I need more tools because people keep trying to hire me. Like they'll take my classes, these parent education classes, and then they're like, okay, well, you just work with me and my husband one-on-one. And I was like, it's weird though because I'm not a therapist. 
And I feel like, and I'm not teaching them just curriculum, like in the fort, like, like how I've been teaching it to a group. So I'm working with people individually. So I feel like I need more tools. And then I found out that there were coaching programs out there. So I took this year long coaching program with a woman named Martha Beck and I learned all these cool coaching tools. And then I sort of married them together. The parenting tools I had learned all those years and the parent education and the coaching tools And I started realizing like, I'm a parenting coach, like I'm really coaching parents and helping them to be the parents that they truly want to be. And then I found out it was a thing. Other people were calling themselves parenting coaches. And that's kind of the, that was the journey. Well, What I hear in your story is that you always knew even before you became a parenting coach, that there was a direct link between a child's behavior and the way that they feel inside, which while it sounds what I'm saying it out loud, like, duh. Right. Um, When it's happening to you and your kid is coming home and their bad day is manifesting as screaming at you or having a meltdown or not listening to anything you say and not eating their dinner and kicking their shoes off and not putting anything away, you can't help but feel like my kid is doing something wrong. And you were able to see, okay, there seems to be a direct correlation between my child acting out in these ways and having emotions that he's otherwise unable to express. Yeah, I would say that I wish I was that methodical. A lot of what my journey has kind of, I don't know, how it how it has unfolded, I can't even really make sense. It almost feels like it found me. Yeah. And it I sounds think, like it. I really do. And and I really the I just knew there was something to figure out with my kid. Like I, you refer to your child. This is your youngest child. This is my oldest. Your oldest. You refer to him as strong willed, which is something that I've also, there's a book called how to raise your spirited child, Mm -hmm. spirited, strong willed. This is how I would label my oldest. She, from the moment she was born, just incredibly particular, not just because she was the firstborn and we catered to her, you know, way more than we would cater to another child, which Mm -hmm. just probably added to that. Mm -hmm. But she has a very strong will. She's particular about what she like weren't she's not just going to put on shoes and an outfit that you want her to wear Mm -hmm. um she also needs advanced notice about everything and i've learned as her parent that first of all her behavior is a manifestation of her emotions she loves structure if her schedule is thrown off in some kind of way she starts to feel less than balanced Mm -hmm. um she likes feeling safe she doesn't like things coming up around the corner that she didn't necessarily plan on if they're negative if Mm -hmm. it's a trip to the ice cream store great Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it it can be exhausting as a parent Mm -hmm. and sometimes you feel like this can't be normal or like i I shouldn't this isn't good behavior i should be disciplining you and you talk about discipline and how we should look at discipline differently right so talk to me a little bit about that because I find that so interesting. And I think a lot of parents, you have a podcast episode called like, what if this new age, what if this new age parenting thing isn't for me? Right. And I have thought that so many times because I guess I am a new age parent. Mm -hmm. You know, I am emotionally present with my child. I try to nurture her and be her guide through these experiences that she's, the experiences that she's having. I try to treat her like she is, you know, she's a full human. She's not less than because she's a kid. Right. And she deserves to be validated and to be walked through things that she doesn't understand. At the same time, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, just pick out the thing that you want so that we can get out the door. Just put on your freaking shoes. On your shoes. And it's such a thing. And if I if I take that choice away from her, it's like all over. There's a lot of patience that's involved. So 
Anyway, you talk about looking at discipline differently. Yeah, so I really learned this from conscious discipline where discipline, the definition of discipline is to teach. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we think of the word discipline synonymously with punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really about teaching, effectively teaching people skills. And so when there's a famous uh, author, and I don't even know, I, he's, he's an author, he's a teacher, his name is Dr. Ross Green. And um, he has a, he's, his book that I love is called The Explosive Child. So when you have these kids with these explosive meltdowns, and mm-hmm. if you're a parent who has a child with explosive meltdowns, y'all know I'm talking to you, and it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Life is difficult. And he, he has a quote that kids do well if they can. So if they're not doing well, meaning they're acting out and being super uncooperative and having explosive meltdowns, there's something to figure out. And they don't want to be acting that no. way. Right. No. They don't even feel good about themselves when they are. Right. We think that they're like doing it to punish us or something. It's not their mo- it's not their favorite way no. to exist. No, people kids do well if they can. So it used to be thought of that if you hold a baby too much, you're going to spoil the baby. Children like to manipulate us. Um, it was almost like this pessimistic view on humanity that people were born to be evil. They were going to do the wrong thing unless you taught them through punishment that mm-hmm. they were going to get punished if they did the wrong thing. But what we know now, and literally there have been studies upon studies that have shown us, we are actually pack animals. We are meant, like we have a primal need to belong, to be part of a tribe, to go together. That invites cooperative behavior. So we are actually wired to do well, to get along, to be cooperative. So if a little tiny human, I love that you said my my kids are whole people. Exactly. Yeah. If a little tiny human is not doing well or not being cooperative or acting out with all these behaviors, it's because they want us as the big humans with the fully developed brains and bodies to help them solve problems, to help them figure out how to be more cooperative, to feel better in their bodies so that they don't have to act out to let us know there's something to figure out. Right. They don't want to be in the wilderness. They want to be guided. They but do. let's say we got the kid who like just won't let us buckle them in their car seat in the morning before school. And it's just a disaster every morning. Okay. So let me tell you. So, so really what I teach is... I teach parents how to solve problems, large and small. Mm -hmm. And I have a certain framework that I take everyone through. And it culminates with productive conversations. So the parenting of yesteryear was all about lectures, bribes, rewards, punishments, threats. Okay? So it was the the thought was kids aren't going to do well. Like they're going to try and control and manipulate and take over. And we, and we need, need to trick them. Right. Like we, we, essentially be dishonest with them. Right, right. To teach them to do well is to show them that there's going to be negative effects from their behavior if they don't do well. But what we knew, what we know now is that when they're not doing well, it's because they really want to tell us, hey, grownups, 
if I knew how to do better, I would, but I actually need your help right now. There's some kind of lagging skill. There's something to figure out. There's a problem that I need help solving. Mm -hmm. So if your child's whining, if they're acting like a dictator, if they're having constant explosive meltdowns, if they refuse to go to sleep, there's a problem. There's something to figure out. And it's up to us to not take it personally and help them figure it out and develop those lagging skills and take care of business so that they then can do well and they find the solutions they're really seeking, but they don't know how to ask for. So I'll walk you through a scenario. This is reminding me of, and you can parenting coach me. Okay. So my daughter will start to whine very randomly in the car when everything seems like it's fine. She'll just start going like, like making this noise. She's Mm -hmm. always done this. I'll ask her what's wrong and she can't, she doesn't want to tell me, but she just kind of keeps whining. Um, I tell her, Selma, if there's something that you have to share with me, I want to listen, but I can't understand you if you're trying to express yourself that way. Mm -hmm. She'll either stop and say what it is or she'll keep whining. Mm -hmm. And if she keeps whining, I just tell her I'm here to listen when she's ready. And I ignore her. Mm -hmm. I keep driving Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's probably nothing I can do about that situation. If that's what ends up happening, she gets more and more worked up, ends up getting really upset. And after that kind of starts to work itself out, I say, listen, I, again, I want to hear what you have to say, but I can't understand you when you're whining. If you want to talk to me about it with your words, I'm happy to listen to you. And she will probably at that point express herself to me because she realizes that whining hasn't worked for her. It repeats itself, this conversation. Um, she's three, three and a half years old. She's whined like since she could start whining. It's mm-hmm. a way she expresses herself to me. No matter how many times I tell her, please use your words. It's her way of getting my attention. Okay. So, so let's walk through. This is a perfect scenario. Yeah. Okay. So whining behavior. I don't know any parent that enjoys whining. It's pretty unenjoyable. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like fingernails on the chalkboard, yeah. right? Whining is actually a sign that they're in their emotional brain, but it hasn't gone to the point of no return, okay? Uh And it could easily shift back into, they could shift back into their thinking brain and problem could be solved. Okay. So whining is always an indicator that there is a problem that they are experiencing that they would like help solving. And when we get curious, we can either help them solve it and get back into their thinking brain, or we can make them feel more frustrated by adding to the problem. That now there's a consequence. Now I don't want you to be doing this. Okay. so. so, so, So she's telling you when she's whining, hey, I'm right in that middle part of my brain. I'm in my limbic system. So mom, if you get curious right now, I'm asking for your help. My whining is in it is basically me saying, hey, mom, I got a problem. Could you help me solve it? Mm-hmm. That's what the whining is. So when we look at it as this is an invitation for me to get curious and she's asking for my help right now, okay? And if you can Q-tip, which is my acronym for quit taking it personally. Okay, quit taking it personally. Because it's never about you. So it's not about stopping the behavior either is what I'm hearing you say. Like, no, yeah, not, it's about, she's not going to stop whining. She's a three and a half year old, three and a half year olds whine, but rather getting curious about why she's doing that. Well, she may, she, the, when you handle 
when you help to solve problems, and, you, and I'm going to take you through the framework that you go through to solve the problem, to have a productive conversation, the beauty of a productive conversation versus old school lectures of lecturing about, you know, this is not the way we talk in our family, yada, yada, yada. I do teach the same tool of, I can't understand you. This is super important. When your words match mine and I can hear you, then we can, then I can help you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you're really doing that where you're like, I can't, I, I'm happy to talk to you about it. I can't understand you. Um, I maybe would, sh- you know, look, it's annoying when they're whining. So you're mm-hmm. human. I'm not saying like, like yeah. you're doing lots right in this scenario and it sounds like a lot of the time she shifts back up to her thinking brain and she's able to then express herself to you and you help her solve her problem so that's a beautiful thing but those moments where she shifts downward and then goes to the meltdown state yeah is is because you know where she's literally going to like you know that point of no return it's usually when i'm tipping taking it personally right (laughs) it's always when i'm taking i'm just like stop you have to stop right it's like i've had a long day i was up all night with the baby she's got a she's got a cold you know i feel like she's doing it to me right like you're doing this to me right and so when you're not a when you take it personally which i don't want you i cannot stand parent guilt so (laughs) because it's not helpful it's not useful no it's really not it's not useful. It's not helpful. So you have to like, you might have to take a couple deep breaths. You might have to rub your hands together for a little mindfulness. And you might have to have a mantra in your head like, no one ever died from whining. She can wait. Yeah. I can take a minute. I can take a few deep breaths. It's all going to be good. She's three and a half. She's whining. She's in her car seat. She's safe. I can take a sec, right? So not allowing yourself to shift into a place of feeling guilty that you feel so annoyed because you're human, mm-hmm. you're going to feel annoyed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and you go through this framework of the whining is an invitation that she needs help solving a problem. She's in her emotional brain. She's not in her thinking brain. So this is not about me. This is not about me. This is not about me. You're literally saying that in your head. You're taking deep. Anybody who does yoga, you'll take deep inhales, deep exhales, and do your little ujjayi breath. And if you don't mm-hmm. do yoga, look up the box breath. I've learned this. Most people do not know how to take like accurate deep inhales and exhales breaths to the point that it actually calms down your nervous system. Mm. So I want you guys, anybody who doesn't do yoga, don't worry. You can still learn how to breathe properly. Look up the box breath. The box breath. Okay. Okay. Look up the box breath. Lots of Navy SEALs use the box breath. There's tons of videos on the box breath. Awesome. Okay. So so it's an invitation and you're going to go through, okay, I got to be curious here. I teach a framework called the NICE solution. Okay. N-I-C-E. I love acronyms because I think that it's just a way to gamify it and help your brain remember. And the NICE solution, when we think about being a good parent, very few people ever define being a good parent as being a nice parent. Hmm. I, that's interesting to me because I, I do, but I, that's because I, I think that that's the most important thing. And that's a state, I guess when I get mean, um, that's when I have the most parent guilt. Right. Um, that is the hardest thing for me about myself is when I lose it. I well, think most parents kind of feel that way. I mean, you're pretty, I would say you're self-aware because I think that it's hard to like ever, like it's hard to think of yourself as, oh, I was just being mean. Oh God. Yeah, no, I definitely do think that. But I can see where like, I can see where one 
wouldn't necessarily think that I just, yeah, I have a lot of self-awareness. So when I do, I mean, I do this thing with my daughter where when I am mean or crazy, as I like to think of it, I'll say to her, I'll, I'll calm down. Cause I know issuing an apology right after I've done that is sort of strange. Um, so I'll take a minute and I'll say, Oh my gosh, mommy was just the craziest little monster. Wasn't she? And I'll kind of make her laugh about it. Like, was mommy kind of scary? Like, did my tentacles come out? Do Mm -hmm. I have horns? And like, she'll start laughing about how funny it is that mommy turned into a monster. And then I'll explain why mommy was a monster. Mm -hmm. You know, mommy, when mommy doesn't sleep well, mommy grows horns. And I start making these funny faces about things that happened to mommy but I shouldn't have made that your fault. And I apologize. And I try not to overdo it because I want her to know everyone's human and I don't have to grovel every time I make a mistake. But at the same time, if she at least knows that I know that wasn't necessarily normal Mm -hmm. that I did that, Mm -hmm. I think it just makes it's easier for her to go on with her day. Well, it sends her the message also, like no one's perfect. We're all going to have monster moments. Yeah. Right. Like, and we're, we're, like this is unconditional love and support here. Like we all get to be a little jerky sometimes and then we get to make up and move on. Yeah. So that also sends her the message. Like a lot of people, especially a lot of women struggle with perfectionism. Yeah. And they think they need to like know exactly what to say and exactly what to do. They want the, they want the formula from you. I can imagine like, just tell me what to say in this situation. Right. And what I hear you say on your podcast all the time, you never tell anybody what to say necessarily. You just explain the situation that they could set up, like helping your kid feel supported and ways to do that. Because if they feel supported, they're not going to act out as much. Well, and you know, it's like, I want you to use your language. I want you to share your real self with, cause that's all we want as humans. Like we want to know, do you see me? Do I matter? Like I get to be my human four leaf clover self and you little tiny person get to be your human four leaf clover self. And I don't expect you to be just like me. And I'm not going to be just like you and I'm going to have monster moments and be imperfect and you're going to have monster moments and it's all okay. We're going to constantly come back and that's what unconditional love looks like. Right. I know. I, 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 I appreciate that so much that like she can see that I'm a flawed human being yes. and like that's that we're accepted here. We're all welcome here. Monsters right. and all. So you were saying the nice. So, okay. So, so if you, yeah. So, so when we go through the nice framework, mm-hmm. like if you think about discipline is to teach, I don't know about you, but it sounds like you're like me. I don't really want to learn new things or help me develop you know, new skills from someone that's mean to me. No. Right. Like, yeah. It makes you feel terrible. Right. If you're nice to me, like if you're shaming me, like screw, no. screw you. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> learn anything from you. But if you're, if I feel like you're on my team rooting for me, then mm-hmm. I'm like all ears and ready to learn some new skills. So whenever we are faced with one of these little problems, which might be whining in the backseat of a car, uh-huh. which might be, you know, something bigger, like a, a, a teenager taking part in risky behaviors, it might be um, a kid who refuses to do their homework um, and just cannot buckle down and do their homework. So there's all kinds of problems that come up that, that's called life. Yeah. Right. Being a human is messy business. And we go through the nice framework to fall, to, to find the solutions. So we start with N and first and foremost, we assess basic needs. Needs. Okay. Okay? The main basic needs we want to assess whenever there's a problem. She's in the back of the car. She's whining, sleep and food. 
Right. <laughs> it's getting towards bedtime and she usually wants a snack. Sleep and food. Yeah. Like literally, I have a podcast episode that I titled Exhausted People Suck. Uh-huh. Like I suck when I'm exhausted. You suck when yeah. you're exhausted. Our kids suck when they're exhausted. So if you have an exhausted little person in the back of the car whining and you know she's tired she's a little hungry like no matter what you say to her match my voice when you match my voice I can understand you whatever doesn't matter what you say until she gets you know like until you grab hand her a bar or whatever it is and um and know when you get home like you need to just like get home there's really no point in talking about it she's letting you know I feel dysregulated inside my body I'm exhausted no child's ever going to tell you I'm tired yeah um no they're never going to tell you that that's the ultimate surrender right yeah so all you can do in those moments is either you hand a bar you redirect you find a favorite song you tell a silly story you know that you're basically just going to be getting through the rest of the time together until you get that child to bed. So you're going to like, you're like, I have an idea when we get home. How about if we take a shower or bath together? We're going to do like that. Yeah, something yeah. so that, cause I want to have a little extra time getting to read and snuggle with you tonight. So let, how fast do you think we, you gamify it? Yeah. Because, gamify it. I love that. Because you know, you're like, Oh, she didn't have a nap today. She was at school day. She didn't have a nap. She's freaking exhausted. She's probably hungry. No matter how much I talk to her about this whining business, she's just letting me know I feel dysregulated inside my body and I don't feel good right now. Okay. So, so anything you try to find out exactly what she's trying to tell you or whatever, it doesn't matter. She's just telling you she feels bad in her body. If that's the case, if you assess basic needs mm-hmm. and you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I can just stop there. I know it's basic needs and that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to, we have to take care of those basic needs to solve the problem. And there's really nothing I can do behind the steering wheel of this car other than try and redirect her a little bit. Okay. Okay. So I, okay. I is investigate behavior. All behavior is communication. So it's like what Dr. Ross Green says, kids do well if they can. So if kid Mm -hmm. isn't doing well or isn't being cooperative, you have a whining child and you know, you're like, no, she had a great nap today. And she's, yeah, she, she, I just gave her a snack. We just left the park. She's run around. She's, she was so happy. Mm -hmm. So you're like, hmm, is she trying to tell me something right now? And it's like when you, that's when you've talked to her and you're, and she probably moves up into her thinking brain. Right. You might go to a place of, okay, nothing's helping her to shift out of it. I wonder if she's getting sick. I always try to think about that mm-hmm. because in the days before a kid's getting sick, they're mm-hmm. always really cranky. Right. And then they get sick and you're like, oh my God, I was so mean. Right. We're just getting sick. Right. <laughs> right. Like you're like, is she getting sick? Yeah. We were just around so-and-so. So you're investigating. You're just kind of like looking. This is when you really Q-tip because mm-hmm. you're investigating and you're like, hey, she's trying to tell me something. She's whining. She's not snapping out of it. I'm doing my whole... It's important. I can't understand you, but I can tell you want to tell me something. And this is really important that I understand you. So match my voice so I can hear you. Uh huh. And then we can figure anything out. Everything's figure outable. It's who yeah. we are. Yeah. Like we got everything. And so you're really sending her the message like, I'm your lady. I'm your girl. You know, like yeah. I got you, but yeah. I got to be under, I got to be able to understand you. If nothing snaps her out of it, your brain's just going to 
There's a reason she's whining, okay? The C in nice is communication. How do we communicate? So, so the first two are really just mindset. It's like you're assessing basic needs. You're investigating behavior. You're, you're Q-tipping. You're thinking of mm-hmm. what else could this be? Now it's go time. Now you're actually going to be communicating with her, okay? Mm-hmm. And so you communicate with what I call pack leadership, which is really just you showing up as the assertive, confident adult who lets her know, like, I got you. Yeah. I got a voice that's strong and direct, but also loving, not sing songy camp counselor, mommy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is usually when I reach out and like, I'll try to hold her hand if I can safely. Right. I've noticed like, that's always like, she almost always wants a hug Mm -hmm. when she feels that way. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what the problem is, it helps. Mm -hmm. So like if I could do the exact opposite of what my instinct is, which is to get really annoyed, Mm -hmm. I do something like I, I heard your C, I thought you were actually going to say like caring, but Mm -hmm. it's this, I mean, communicating in some way, just like, well, the, the connecting piece, when you reach out and you physically connect with her, yeah. Her love language may be physical touch and you've already you've you're attuned with her enough right. that you've picked up on that. Yeah. So you reaching out and touching her is actually the other part of communication which is empathy. Mhm. So empathy is I see your perspective. I got you. I get it. Right. And there's lots of different ways that I teach how to effectively empathize with someone. But really with a little kid, it's as easy as do like speaking their love language, like physical touch seems like it's something that speaks to her. So you mm-hmm. keep doing that. The other thing I teach is stating the obvious. I call it the stating the obvious tool, which is you're like your voice, your voice sounds high. It's hard for me to understand. And your face looks upset so something must be bothering you. Like, right. it's like what you said. I, so much of what I teach is exactly what you said. The duh factor, like brick to yeah. the head. Like, really? I need to, <laughs> like, like people are like, I need to pay this lady to tell me this. But it's, it's something so obvious, but we don't always recognize it. So with a little kid, even if they're going to that place of meltdown where you're like, your fists are clenched, your face is red, your voice is loud, you sound really upset. Uh huh. Just stating the obvious is letting them know, I see you. Yeah. I'm I being get seen. it. Mm-hmm. It also does something for them where it helps them to sort of shift from that place of no return, that fight or flight place, mm-hmm. to it brings a little mindfulness into it because they become aware of how they look. And it's not, you look like a little ridiculous baby. You know, it's not shaming. It's just calling this sense of mindfulness to what is actually going on in their body. And it almost like snaps them out of it a lot of times when you start to state the obvious. It gives them some perspective on themselves. Yeah. 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 So you, so, so stating the obvious, the physical touch is, Basically saying, I get it. You're whining. You're going in the lower centers of your brain. You needed to, you needed to feel connected to me in this moment. Yeah. Right. So without even you, cause 77% of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. So you reaching back there and just touching her leg or touching her hand and you feeling, you can tell that it calms her down is you actually meeting her exactly where she is and empathizing with her. 
Look Ma No Hands is proud to be sponsored today by the Social Mama app. The Social Mama app is support and friendship at every stage of motherhood. It's a free app for moms to build and maintain meaningful connections to successfully navigate motherhood. It allows women to meet other moms in their own neighborhood, connect with moms from all over the world, and share on an open mom forum, which includes personal mom matches based on your location, lifestyle, and unique needs. Unique needs include everything from the number of children you have to whether or not you're facing a health diagnosis and many more options. There's an interactive map to discover and chat with local moms around you and even answers to your burning mom questions from certified professionals and mentor mamas. Being a mom is hard, but you don't have to go through it alone. With a zero tolerance policy for mom shaping, mom shaming, Social Mama provides every mom the opportunity to be part of a supportive and completely judgment-free mom community. Join Social Mama today and meet mamas like you. So before we get to the E, I want to answer the, I try to always ask questions that I try to listen to these interviews as I'm doing them as though I'm in, I'm just listening in my car. What are people wanting to ask you right now? And the question that I'm hearing is, oh, are you kidding me? Like, this is so much coddling and I'm being so nice to my kid. And like, I survived. How many times do you hear that? Mm -hmm. I survived my, my parents just telling me to be quiet when I was whining and I'm fine. Usually the people who tell me that are like, I'm like, are you, were you right? (laughs) Are you sure? Are you sure you were fine? Um, but even as someone who I was certainly, I mean, if I was whining, my parents actually gave me a pin when I was growing up that had the word whining crossed out like that I could wear, like there was no whining allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know, I knew that it was like not acceptable and these things were done circle with the the circle with the red line through it, like no fat chicks, like no whining. (laughs) Yeah. Not even kidding. Remember that terrible. Yeah. Horrible. Like, like there was a pin just, Mm -hmm. yeah. Horrible. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I had that, I just knew that it wasn't acceptable. And even as I, I I'm with my kid now, I know all these new age parenting tricks, And the thing that goes through my head when I feel the most heated is like, this is so ridiculous. Like I should just be able to tell you to stop. And why am I even doing this? Right. So what is your answer to that question before we move on to E? Because I know we've only gotten to Nick so far. Um, um, (laughs) Well, I would just say, how is it working for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we also, we want to do those things because they were done to us. Like Right. Like evolution, like we're supposed to do it a little bit different and a right. little bit better. Yeah. My husband actually has a great, and he, he, he has a great answer for that. And it really came up when our oldest son had started to go through the teenage years. And we had friends who were allowing a lot of partying mm-hmm. to go on at their houses. Mm-hmm. And so there really became two schools of parents. Um, parents that looked the other way or even facilitated the partying going on at their house and, and would say, I'd rather have, it's teenagers. I'd rather gonna, be looking like be right. the, having it at my house. Yeah. Then, right. And for everything. And just so y'all know, anybody who thinks you're going to be that per- parent or you are that parent for everything, you know, is how much you don't know. Uh-huh. Like times 10. Uh, you are so right about that. Mm-hmm. Also, when I went to those kids' houses, mm-hmm. um, you talk about highly sensitive people and I'm definitely one of them. So I've always been very sensitive. And I, I remember being 16 and being at my friend's house and his mom was always the one who hosted our parties. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like he was so lonely because Mm -hmm. like 
his mom wasn't supposed to be his best friend. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, she was cool and we all loved her, but like, I didn't really feel like he had anywhere to go Mm -hmm. when like he was in trouble Mm -hmm. because she was facilitating all these things that were happening to him that he didn't necessarily even want to be happening. Like high school, so confusing. And I just remember that. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember feeling that loneliness and like, that's interesting on that. Like our, our parents, and this is my perspective. And I have, I know a lot of people who are like, I, they're in that school of thought. I'd rather have it happening at my house. I'm at the age right now where I don't have friends with kids who are that old yet. But, um, I always remember that. Like I, I want to be a safe place for my child to come. I want to be available and mm-hmm. like askable. And, but like, I think that there's a huge difference between that and like facilitating these things that like they know that they shouldn't be doing or participating in. It's pretty, I've never, I I don't think I've really talked about it publicly because I've, I have teenagers and you know, I don't want to make their lives more difficult. Although my older two, my, it really was mostly my daughter. I have, so my oldest is, uh, my son is a, he just turned 22 on Sunday. So he's a senior in Happy college. Birthday. He's a senior in college. My daughter's 18. She's a senior in high school. And then my younger son is just turned 14 a week before and he's in eighth grade. So really it's mostly been around my daughter because mm-hmm. I think, uh, it makes her life more difficult. Um, when I speak out publicly and she's almost done with high school. So I kind of feel like I can start talking about this stuff more now. Yeah. Um, you know, I have seen it because I do have older kids. It's very, it's very personal how parents handle the teenage years and the risky behaviors. Um, it does seem that the parents who allowed the partying to happen at their house, many of their children have gone on to have worse problems than they ever would have imagined, whether it was drug addiction, going to rehab, because for everything they thought they knew was there how was much, so they, much didn't more they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my daughter also has told me, um, she appreciates that like, I act like a mom and there are, she does tell me a lot. Mm-hmm. and we have a very close relationship. Her bedroom happens to be right next to mine, which has been a blessing uh-huh. um, because when she goes through her teenage years of, of you know, hurt feelings and all that stuff and, and scrolling on social media and, you know, feeling terrible and left out of the thing that she wasn't invited, whatever, like she can't escape us. She's right there next to, you yeah. know, so that's been helpful. Um But my husband said, I remember when he had a friend that was like, why are y'all so like, basically like, why why don't y'all pull a stick out of your ass? You know, like, like why, what's the big deal? And, um, and me and my husband both were pretty wild as kids. Right. So you know what it could be like from the front lines. There's sort of nothing that we don't know between the two of us. Yeah. And my, and, and his friend said, we turned out fine. And my husband said, I want more for my kids. I love that. That's his answer. I want more for my kids. And that's when I say, we're supposed to evolve as humans. Mm-hmm. Like, like I never come from a, from a place of victimhood of, I wish my parents would have done this, this, and this. It's like, no, times were different then. The world was simpler and things are changing and we have to be malleable we and were fine, but we had to overcome a lot to be fine, maybe. Right. I mean, like, 
there's a reason why we want to do things differently with our own kids, right? And our kids will want to do things differently than we do. Hopefully, I mean, that's the goal. Right. Right? Like my kids are already old enough to tell me places that I've screwed up. Oh, wow. How, how interesting is that? What is that like? You know, it's actually really, it's actually really interesting when they tell me because, because when you go through this nice framework and you learn how to have these productive conversations on the reg, yeah, nothing's off limits. Right. So, so there's no perfectionism. There's no, like, like they're never like, let me you know, stab you in the heart and tell, and tell you, all you something the, really mean and tell you all the places you've screwed up. It's more just like we're having honest dialogue and my daughter being like, yeah, remember when you made me scared of my own shadow because <laughs> you would freak me out that some stranger was going to steal me, you know? And, uh, um, and it's funny because we just, for my son's birthday, he's wanted a dog really bad. So we just delivered this oh. surprise puppy to him. A little French bulldog. Oh my god! And um, and so of course, like I was doing all this research, and I found out like people steal French bulldogs. There's like yeah. a whole thing with it. So we, ju- I literally just drove him and his girlfriend to Austin yesterday, um, and with the French bulldog. And the French bulldog's been with us. We're all in love with this puppy for the last week and a half. We were crate training it and doing all these things. And I'm like, so you need to re like. I, you have to be really careful. Like who's going to watch her when you're at class? And this, like I was doing all this stuff and Alec was like, mom, you're being crazy. And I'm like, this is a thing with me. Yeah. Like I think I raise the cutest and best children and animals. And of course, everyone's going to want to steal them. Right. You know? Yeah. You think people are going to want to steal your kids Everybody's going to want to steal you guys because y'all are all just too delicious, you know? And, so and my daughter says, she's like, you literally made me scared of my own shadow because of that. <laughs> like that, I was like, okay, well, I think I went a little overboard on that. Yeah. But of all the things you could have done wrong, I feel like that's a pretty good one. I've done plenty right? wrong. I've done plenty wrong. But the coolest thing is, is that when you can talk about it, I think it also, it's like, yeah, we turned out fine because guess what? That's how we're designed as humans. Humans are designed to be resilient. Yeah. Right? So we tolerate a lot of things in our lives and we figure it out. However, when you start to kind of enter into the journey of self-awareness and you dig a little deeper, maybe sometimes you realize, huh, I do these over things like over drinking, over eating, over, over shopping, over exercising, over screening, over pot smoking, over Mm -hmm. cigarette smoking. All the overs come from a place of all of us just want to feel better. Right. And so a lot of times we develop coping mechanisms to feel better because we didn't process all of the little hurts that happened. Like, when you were a little kid and you were in your emotional brain and you were trying to tell your parents, hey, I have a problem that I'd love for the grownups in my life to help me solve. And so I'm going to act out with this whining behavior so that you guys can help me solve this problem and feel better in my body. But instead, you put a no whining button on me, shamed me for it. And then I was just left to kind of bury those big feelings and not know how to process it. And I was left alone to have to figure it out. And so I sort of just never processed it. And it actually didn't. It does matter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And and that, and that, and all those little times 
where we're shut down mm-hmm. and we aren't given the support. And it's just because it was the way, and all of us have experienced those things, right? Right. Like those memories live in the body. They don't go, like when you're like, I'm a sensitive person. So especially when you're an HSP, which is the acronym for highly sensitive person, um, which just means that you're a person with an extra sensitive nervous system. So you really take everything in to a heightened degree. And 20% of the population are highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. When you have unprocessed emotions from the time you're a little kid, and and a, the adults in your world who you really want, you want them to help you, but they don't know how, so they just shut you down, you bury that in your body. And emotion is energy in motion. So all that buried emotion, it swirls in your body. So, hmm, yeah, one in four women are on antidepressants. We have a chronic anxiety problem. People have trouble sleeping. Yeah, like, I feel like we're not just fine. Like, I right. feel like everybody, I'm like, it's even my reaction when my kid's doing that. I'm like, oh my God, I just like, just stop. Like, I can't handle this anymore. I was fine when my parents told me to just stop. But I look around and I'm like, what your husband said, I want more for my children. I mean, we're not really fine. I don't think that those statistics are fine. I, um, or we're fine. I think it could be worse, but, but, but but this is the other thing I say when you like, I don't know about you, but I have dreams of living a life that's way better than fine. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, maybe you're fine, but how about fan freaking tastic? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we want, like, we think about like how we want the best for our kids. I think the biggest fear with, you know, being, emotionally present parents is that we're going to somehow raise children who aren't able to cope with difficulty, who aren't emotionally resilient. Um, you know, we've all heard of like lawnmower parenting. Mm -hmm. I think there's a huge difference. So like when I let my child, so there's a huge, Selma didn't like being dropped off at her new classroom at school for a while. She didn't like the transition. It was very difficult for her Mm -hmm. on the spectrum of difficulty. It was probably more difficult for her than it was for most children in her class to move on. And that's how she is. It's how she's always been. That's how Alec was too. There were a lot of instincts in me to discuss this with the principal. Mm -hmm. Should I move her into another, like, is she really not happy? What's going on? But then I really knew like my inner self really knew that this is just how she's going to process any class that she's in. It's Mm -hmm. not about anything other than the fact that this is her process. Mm -hmm. And even though you're dropping her off and she's screaming and hysterical, I mean, holding onto my leg every morning, you're doing the right thing. And at some point she's going to be okay. And she's going to feel safe with you dropping her off there and just keep providing the consistency. I let her experience something really uncomfortable. I let her because I knew it was best for her to be in school. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know that about herself, but I know her really well. And I know that she needs that type of structure. She always has. She's happier with it. Um, And I wasn't going to take her out of school because she was hysterical in the morning. I also found out that the second that I left, as most parents do, she was completely fine. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm giving my children a gift when I'm lovingly allowing them to experience things that are challenging. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to be that. Like I don't have to be, I don't have to lay down the law or be extremely disciplinarian in the way that we have a negative association with, I guess. I can be loving and I can be a safe place for her, but I can also tell her, yes, like you do have to go to gymnastics Mm -hmm. every Wednesday, even if you'd rather stay home and watch cartoons. Mm -hmm. 
there's always areas to provide challenging experiences for our kids. We don't have to lawnmower those things for them. Right. While still being places where they can go for support. That's what I'm coming to find. Like I don't need to be the thing that she needs to the, the negative thing she needs to experience. That's true. But there are going to be plenty of other things in her life. And I can be here for her. Like I was here for her around school and her class. And when she would come home and say, mommy, you know, I had a really bad day, even though I had reports that she did not have such a bad day. Instead of saying like, no, you didn't. Your teacher told me it was fine. I would say, oh my, I, tell me more about that. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry to hear it mm-hmm. because she needed to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to be a millennial parent and see the divide in like the way most of us at one point or another have found ourselves like really oversaturated with the gentle parenting books and the mindful parenting books. And like things were just done so differently for most of us by our own parents. Well, I like to say we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because what I have found is that some of the air quotes, new age parenting techniques, um, like if it's all, that's why communication is empathy combined with pack leadership. Mm-hmm. And pack leadership is just my term for assertive communication. So, which most people, especially women, were never taught. We were taught ineffective communication patterns. Mm-hmm. We say, we, 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 we don't speak directly. We say, okay, on the end, we're sing-songy. And little tiny kids are super literal. So if you say, time to get your shoes on, okay? Like, they think... They're like, oh, I have a choice. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, not okay. Oh, yeah, you've trained me that I actually can ignore you until you start yelling. And then I have to... That's true. So we accidentally, like, create these patterns and um, and wonder why, why, you know, they just won't listen until I start yelling. Mm -hmm. And it's because you train them to do that, right? Right. And you you don't even realize that. And so... um, So I think that I've seen like even within my membership community and my program that I teach, I used to teach pack leadership and empathy separately. Mm -hmm. And I kept having moms that were like, the empathy is just not working. Because empathy, when you communicate with empathy and you let another human know, like, I get you. Like, I'm here with you. Empathy is like the secret sauce of creating a deep connection with another person. And if you think about it in your own life, like... Is this the E in nice, by the way? It's empathy? No. Oh, okay. Empathy Sorry. Empathy is part of communication because okay. you want to communicate in an empathetic way. But if you don't combine that assertiveness, that pack leadership, that we are humans on a primal level, I'm the pack leader, you are the little cave people, mm-hmm. I will help you to feel safe and grounded I will give you rules and structure and let you know when we gymnastics is happening on Wednesday, here's the plan. We're coming home. We're having a snack. You'll be able to play and relax for a bit. At this time, five minutes before it's time to leave, we'll set the timer. Then you'll put on your shoes, get your leotard on and get ready for gymnastics. We'll get in the car and we'll go. Got it? So that's the pack leadership of I am the person who's going to help you realize that we've got some structure and some order in our day. I will clearly communicate it with you. I'm not going to ask you for permission. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm going to let you know what it is. And when those little people all of a sudden need to go potty when it's five minutes before or yep. whatever, yeah. and we're, we know how to not just be the pack leader, but also how to empathize, we're able to say, to take a deep breath and get mm-hmm. down and say, you, you know, you thought that you were going to get to play and then it was going to get be time and we have to go and whatever. And now you have to go potty. So here's the thing. You can't always predict these things. Mm -hmm. We can't always schedule when you have to go potty. And we're going to be in a rush to get to gymnastics. So I'm going to bring your stuff in here and now we're going to get dressed. As soon as you finish going potty and get your hands washed, we're going to get dressed right here. And then I'm going to carry you straight to the car because we'll be needing to really go then. Okay. So, so you're, you're changing her clothes before she goes. Right. Like you're just, you just have a plan and you're bringing that pack leadership, but you're also empathizing because you're like, I get it. Yeah. You can't plan for when you need to go potty. Yeah. We had a whole plan and now we got to be flexible. I got you. I'm here with you. We're going to work together, but you get to be the kid and feel safe and grounded. I'm going to be the pack leader who understands what you're going through, but don't worry. I'll let you know and I'll help to run the show here. So that's that beautiful marriage of I'm going to help you to feel more regulated. I'm going to provide structure and a system, but I'm also not going to try and control you, overpower you, and I'm going to be flexible for when things like you need to go, you know, the bathroom calls right before it's time to walk out the door. Well, what I hear you saying and what I love so much is that you're talking like our kids aren't in our heads. Mm-hmm. So we often have these big plans and expectations for them, but we don't share any of that with them. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's time to go to gymnastics and they're like, wait, I was at home. I'm happy. I'm safe. Like, why are you taking me out of here? And they don't want to go to like, it's not even that they necessarily don't want to go. They're just startled. They weren't in our heads the whole time we were packing that gym bag. So we can say to them, like, here's what's going to happen. Like, here's what we're doing. And like, if they do have to go to the bathroom, you can change the plan around and just continue that conversation with them that they like, they need to be filled in. They don't know what's going on. Well, that's a great point. And I think a lot of times why we don't do it. And this is my, has been my own story is that if you're a person that's not naturally super systematic and kind of operates from a place of a decent, like there's a decent amount of internal chaos, mm-hmm. um, you don't always have that plan in place. So to go and then to have the plan and then communicate the plan, like yeah, it, it does take, like you got to get your stuff together. Right. And so I think quite often we're, we're operating kind of from a place of being a little bit behind the eight ball. Because we're not feeling organized in our own bodies and brains. And so stepping in, like, how can you expect your kids to get with the program if you're not getting with the program? Yeah, it starts at the top. (laughs) Right. Like, you got to own it. And, like, I've had to own that about myself. Like, I had to look around and see all the little piles of clutter in my house and know, like, huh. Yeah, there's a reason why things aren't moving along around here. So what's the E? I'm dying to know. Okay. So the E is enforce enforce okay. consequences. Okay. I'm so curious to hear what that means coming from your perspective. So this is where I say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of like, it's not all about mindfulness and empathy. It, there are consequences. There are consequences. Yeah. And we have to, um, and I use the word enforce, which is kind of, I do it for a reason. Because 
the truth of the matter is that I'm all about being civilized and not overpowering and not trying to control other human beings. The only thing we can control as humans is our own thoughts. Right. And anytime we try to control another person, it will always lead to rebellion. So if we have a strong-willed one, they are going to rebel from birth mm-hmm. when we try to control them and 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 overpower them. Other kids that are uh, kind of an e- more easygoing temperament, they just wait for the teenage years. Right. So they may be like the perfect little children, and then like they're either – all, you know, all hell's breaking loose. Oh my God. <laughs> when they're, when they're a teenager or they just get super sneaky. Oh. So you still think you have the perfect child when they're a teenager, but you're the parent with the wool pulled over your eyes and they're like doing all, you know, it's like, uh, the preacher's daughter on footloose. Okay. You know? So how do you deal with that? Well, the, you deal with this by you're coming in at the perfect stage because you got little tiny kids. And when you learn how to solve problems constantly, constantly, constantly having productive conversations and you become a family that can talk about anything and everything, you're not going to raise sneaky right. kids. Because the pack leadership and the empathy, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And co- enforce consequences, which is what you said. We... Like, they're going to have hard things they have to deal with in life. Mm-hmm. And when we allow it, okay, when we allow it, it's a beautiful thing. That's how they grow to be resilient. So she may want to stay at home and watch cartoons and not go to gymnastics because little kids live in the present moment and she's super happy at home watching cartoons and she's not thinking about last week when she went to gymnastics and when she was there that she had a total blast and she felt so proud that she mastered that somersault. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's not thinking. She's thinking about this moment she's in right now. So when you follow through as that pack leader, you have your system in five minutes, we're going to be walking out and maybe the five minutes happens and then she needs to go potty or she pulls out stall tactics and then you're running late and whatever. And you keep your cool and you Q-tip and you get her to gymnastics. And maybe by the time you get her to gymnastics, she's even crying. She doesn't want to go. It's turned into a whole thing. And you're like, Listen, we signed up for gymnastics. We paid money to go to gymnastics. We made a commitment. We're going to gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Next time, if you don't want to sign up for gymnastics the next season, then maybe we won't. But right now we've signed up for gymnastics, so we're going. And she goes to gymnastics, and you don't, you Q-tip. You don't allow it to get you. You don't fight with her. You're not going to power struggle. You just follow through, and she goes to gymnastics. Following through like that is your ability to help her to build those resilient skills. And that actually is enforcing consequences because the natural consequence of signing up for gymnastics is going to gymnastics. Right. You have to go. And enforcing, we think of the word enforce yeah. and it's like, what? okay, tell me what I'm going to enforce. You're just going to enforce that she actually goes to gymnastics. She just has to go. I don't have to be like yelling for her to get there, but like if she's still really having a hard time with it, she's getting picked up and put in the car seat and she's going to gymnastics. And she may go and cry the whole time she's at gymnastics. But she's going. But you're following through. And so enforcing consequences is allowing her brain to learn cause and effect. Right. Right. So she signed up and she's going. If she doesn't feel like going this time and she, whatever, you're going to gymnastics. Mm Mm-hmm. The other, I mean, natural consequences, I mean, it's the hardest part actually as parents 
to follow through and allow the disc. It's what you said before, allow the discomfort to happen Mm -hmm. and teaching our kids like, it's okay. You can feel all the feelings. You're allowed to be uncomfortable. And it's not my job to try and dance like a circus monkey to, to, to make you comfortable all the time. Right. Like you, like life involves some discomfort. None of us were designed to be happy all the time. Actually about half of life involves some negative emotions. So when we run from discomfort and we teach our kids to run from discomfort because we're constantly swooping in to, to fix and solve and, and save them from the discomfort, we do them a disservice. Mm-hmm. The goal really is to lean in and feel the discomfort. And then after you drop her at school and she's crying and holding on to your leg and and, and you pick her up at the end of the day and you're like, oh my gosh, I missed you so much. I Let me see that face. Do you know how many times I thought about you? Tell me everything. I need to know. What did you play with first? Who was your, what was your favorite thing on the playground? And you find out all the things and then y'all are sitting and reconnecting and you're like, you know what? Today, when I dropped you, it was a little scary. Like you didn't really want to go. You can recap that. And you did that. You were brave and you went and look at all the beautiful things you made and things you did because you were really brave today. That was amazing. so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So, so, so the, the natural consequence of enforced consequence would be when you have an older kid, like I went through, I think last year, seventh grade, mom on the soccer team. And he's like, mom, I forgot my Jersey. Can you drop it off? And I'm like, I can't. I'm a really busy day. Yeah, you're just not going to have your jersey because you forgot it. Mom, I'm not going to be able to play. Yeah, we're leaving. <laughs> we're leaving on the bus to go to the other game, at, you know, before school's even out. I'm, I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's going to be really hard. Mom, the, next the, time he doesn't forget it. Mom, the coach is going to be so mad at me. And he's a pleaser. You know, my youngest one, he's a major, he's a rule follower and a pleaser. He's like, the coach is going to be so mad. I'm like, you know it's hard. And he's like, fine. (laughs) And he like hangs up and all day long, I have a pit in my stomach. Uh, Oh, now easy. It would be for me to run that up there. And it's not to say that I never run it up there. Yeah. Sometimes it's a case by case basis. Well, I have a rule of a one, one time a semester. You get a, you like, I'll return with something. Um, but he had already used it up and he had been kind of forgetting things. I knew. So then that day after the game, and it was a, an away game, so I, I didn't go to it. And after the game that night, we were all catching up, and he was fine. He was fine. And I said, I said, what happened with the game and the jersey and all the stuff? He was like, oh, so-and-so wasn't playing. So I ended up just borrowing his stuff, and we just figured it out. There you go. And I'm like, huh. Huh. So the natural consequence of not running the lunch back up to school, not running the homework back up to school, not running the soccer jersey – enforcing the consequences there is really just following through right super hard that's this is the, that i've found that the follow through is the hardest part out of any of it for you say that you're going to do something but doing it is actually so much harder and sometimes you actually have to enforce a consequence that you know it's not a natural consequence situation let's say you have a kid that keeps hitting their sibling right right yeah and so 
what's the natural you're like no i need to i need to work on this this needs to be what like, is a good consequence for something like that i mean it, it depends you know i go through the framework assessing basic yeah like if i yeah. have a kid that's feeling just dis- i mean it's a sign of i'm going to act out of control on the outside when i feel out of control on the inside mm-hmm. so aggression like if i'm hitting and hitting and hitting my sibling Um, it might be a negative pattern that needs to be disrupted. Like that's how the two siblings have learned to engage is right. You know, through being like, like especially boys, a lot of times will rough house and that's just the way. So it might be a pattern disrupted. What about just separating? Cause I know I, I often say to my oldest, like, I don't say you at all. I just say like, well, I guess I do say you, but it's not really about what she did. I just say, if you know, if you're hitting your sister, I'm going to have to separate you guys. Right. But there's, I teach a whole, let me tell you, we could have, we could talk for two hours about my sibling fighting tool, which is a great one, Mm -hmm. but there's more to figure out in terms of the siblings fighting. But if you have a child that's just, you know, aggressive a lot and hitting and now, you know, a, a logical and related consequence to that might be until I can be sure that you understand our no violence policy and there will be no more play dates. There will be no, because I have to be sure that you're keeping, that you understand that you're yeah. keeping your body safe and those around you safe. And we have to do it first in our home with our brothers and sisters and our family. And then we'll be able to play with people outside of the family. But until that is happening for a week straight where there is absolutely no violent behavior, that means violent words, violent hands, we're not going to be having, or maybe it's for a month. We're not mm-hmm. going to be having any more play dates until I can be sure you understand how important it is. To and that's keep a related safe. consequence. You're not taking away right. like his favorite video game. You're mm-hmm. doing something that's directly related to that. Behavior. Logical and related. So when you have to enforce a consequence that it's not a natural consequence, mm-hmm. you just want to make sure it's logical and related. You guys, I could probably listen to Randy talk all day. So I'm doing something that we've never done before on Look My No Hands. We're actually going to do a continuation episode. So this is going to be episode one of two with Randy Rubenstein. And we're wrapping it up right now. But you can join us again next time. Um, I'm going to be answering. I'm going to be asking her a bunch more questions on episode two. And if you just can't wait to hear more of where that came from, you can visit Randy online. I'll let you take it away with this one. Where can we access your courses? You can come to... Uh, randyrubenstein.com and that's the best way to kind of reach me and you can also follow I think the I think really really the best place to start is to go to the mastermind parenting podcast and subscribe yeah it's, it's, how many episodes do you have like 80 something I, I think, think it's 100 oh, now wow mm-hmm. okay yeah I've, I've been listening to it it's incredible and I can't wait to ask you more next time thank you again for joining me Randy you've been listening to look ma no hands and uh, we'll see you again soon Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom, mom, mom.